When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's it. That's the production value we got for Metal Arc, brought to you by Matthew Coca for a total budget of $0.0. Thank you, Coca. Thank all of you. Yes, yesterday, Sports Podcast Group, thank you very much. Best sports business podcast, best baseball podcast, won both awards. And it's all because of fan voting. It's all because of you fact that you're with us every day live at 8 a.m. or you download, you watch us later, whatever you're doing, we are appreciative and we're winners. And I don't want to thank my fellow nominees. What a great group to be nominated with. I'm sure they're all awesome, actually. But nah, I'm just happy we won. It's so much better to win. Maybe that's just being a president for 18 years, winning and losing every day. But don't we all do that in life? I never told my kids, oh, it's just great that you're competing. I was that guy who was beating my three-year-old in Monopoly or checkers or chess or war, gin, anything. I don't want to lose. It's actually been helpful. Today is Groundhog Day. It's such a load of crap. What a great movie. But the whole thing, does he see his shadow? Does he not see his shadow? Nice marketing event. I'm sure that everyone's excited that we're going to have an early spring. I'm sure that Phil is aware of global warming trends and will never see his shadow again. Unless we've got strange weather patterns. Oh, it's so ridiculous. I never used to care about that living in Florida. Okay, here we go. Four, eight, six, nine. Fly. That's the nothing personal word of the day for Friday, February 2nd, 2024. Fly as in Baltimore Orioles. It's your time to fly. If only we had been rolling in the three minutes leading up to the start of the show, you would have seen a debate between Coca and me talking about Orioles. Did you know the Baltimore Orioles are a team in Baltimore, baseball team? Did you know it's also the bird? It's called a Baltimore Oriole? And Coca said, of course it is. That's the team name. I said, no, no, that's the name of the animal. He said, no, like Florida Marlins or Miami Dolphins. No, no, there's no Florida Marlin or Miami Dolphin. There is a Baltimore Oriole, Toronto Blue Jays. Nope, just Blue Jays. But there's actually a Baltimore Oriole. Didn't know that. Yesterday, I'm wallowing in the excitement of being an award-winning podcast. 
surrounded by all of my friends and family. Hello, everybody. Not one person near me. Bunch of funny phone calls, including some old friends at CBS. Hey, way to go. We had no idea. Damn it. Couple people at Metal Arc. Fantastic. We can make more money off you. I said, all right. Thank you. Very nice of you. And then I get the Coca text, which I assume the Coca text is going to be hey, let's talk about the show tomorrow. Let me show you this great graphic I did for the start of the show tomorrow. No, telling me about a Corbin Burns trade. And the first thing I thought of when Corbin Burns was traded from Milwaukee to Baltimore. The first thing was Christian Yelich, who so badly wanted to win in Miami. And when he realized the payrolls were low, we weren't winning. Get me out of here. Goes to Milwaukee. They have a great run, five playoff appearances in six years, but never made it. Forgets the World Series, never won the, never won the pennant, never got to the championship series, unless they did one time, Coca. The Brewers may have gotten to the NLCS one time. But either way, now, as Yelich is in the middle of that huge extension, which he deserves, he is witnessing a rebuild in Milwaukee. And before all of you, before I get to the Baltimore Orioles migration from losing to winning, I would like to point out that what the Brewers did by trading Corbin Burns, I tip my chapeau to Matt Arnold a guy we interviewed to bring into our organization who is now the GM of the Milwaukee Brewers. I tip my cap to him because knowing when your windows closed, as you have heard me tell you before, is the difference between a good front office and a bad front office. The Milwaukee Brewers had a very open window and now that window's closed. It is better to trade players a year too early than a year too late. Matt Arnold got his bona fides in Tampa, and they are the North Star of brilliance as it relates to window recognition. Window recognition requires no rose-colored glasses. It requires no delusion. It requires all the things that I specialize in. It requires no chasing Amy, no Celtic Sixers parlays. It requires hard evaluation of yourself and your team. Going into this season, they non-tendered Brandon Woodruff. This is the team that traded Josh Hader because they had Devin Williams. This is a team that is trying to churn and keep the winning window open as long as possible. By trading Corbin Burns, they've accomplished the only thing they were trying to accomplish. When you go into a trade of a player who has a year left, the psychology of having a player who is in the final year of arbitration before hitting free agency is this. One, are we better off on the field with that player this year? Two, does that amount of being better off on this team this year lead us to a ring? Three, do we get more for this player in the trade market today or tomorrow? Or did we get more yesterday? Corbin Burns at $15.6 million. His value, don't believe anything you read or hear, 
It's not that his value is at its highest today. It was way higher before the start of last season when an acquiring team would take two years of Corbin Burns before free agency. Now a team like the Orioles is getting one year. If you trade him at the deadline, it's called a rental. We used to call rentals anytime we'd have a player for one season or fewer. One season rental. So the calculation that the Brewers do, one, we're better off now, but it's not good enough. Two, he's worth more now than he is tomorrow. Three, can we get more today than a comp pick? A comp pick is what you get when you offer your free agent to qualify an offer. You let him sign a long-term deal elsewhere and you get a comp pick, which means it's an extra pick in the draft somewhere in the 30s. People can criticize all they want. The prospects, the Orioles sent, they've not enough high ceiling, not enough major league experience, not enough defense, not a good arm. All they did was get a, another comp pick plus two players. Maybe they're two stocking stuffers. No one in baseball has ever forgotten the Dontrell Willis story from 2002 when he was a throw-in, a stocking stuffer in a trade. We acquired him. Our baseball people said he's fine, he's lefty, funky, whatever. The people who traded him said, yeah, take him. He's got, we have no problem putting him in a deal. Turns out to be the centerpiece and the best part of the deal. Is it possible one of the players from the Orioles will work out? Yeah. Is it likely? No. Does it matter? No. The Brewers accomplished what they needed to accomplish. Stop criticizing them. What about the Orioles? They have a new owner. The new owner is spending money right now. Horse hockey. David Rubenstein is not funding Corbin Burns' $15.6 million. Not even 40% of it. Of course, Rubenstein could buy 40%, get approved in the next three months, and then write a nice check to the Angeloses for their 40% or for whatever percentage of their 40% that they own, 70% of 40%, 28%, whatever. What the Orioles are doing under John Angelos, who is still a control person, while the team is being sold to David Rubenstein, is recognizing... that now is their window. And when you're in your window, you acquire players to complement your existing core of young players, sprinkle it with some winning veterans, and then before you know it, you're in position to win this year and going forward. But David, they only have Corbin Burns for a year. That is true. But when you've got a young core, you can rotate in one-year rentals. Do Corbin Burns this year, and then next year, do the next guy. I love this for Baltimore. Look at the AL East, Boston. Despondent, and I mean the fans. Yankees, maybe, maybe. This is pending Montgomery and Snell going somewhere. Still free agents, Cody Bellinger, still a free agent. If the Yankees get all three of those players, that's good depth. 
Maybe I'd put them ahead of the Orioles when I do my predictions for 2024, but maybe there's regression of the Orioles. And this is a waste of $15.6 million. Spoiler alert, you do not plan your team assuming out of the ordinary regression. And the Orioles had plenty of room to spare in the regression department and still be a playoff team. So I am super excited for this trade for Baltimore, for Milwaukee. But the one reason that makes me even happier is I get on this day when we've been lauded with awards, I get to give you a great Borat story. Raise your hand there in the viewing audience or in the audio audience. If you remember Scott Boris telling you that he has seen San Diego's lineup and San Diego is keeping Juan Soto. Raise your hand if you remember that. Raise your hand if you remember Scott Boras at the winter meetings, just this past winter meetings. Hey, I spoke to Milwaukee and let me tell you about them. They're putting together a competitive team to win the division in 2024. Of course, he was talking about his player, Corbin Burns. Yes, it's a Boris player talking about that Burns was going to be a Bre Burns was going to be a Brewer, and that maybe Boris and Burns and the Brewers were going to talk long-term extension. The Brewers were never signing Corbin Burns to a long-term extension that Boris would have agreed to prior to reaching free agency because Corbin Burns' name is not Steven Strasburg. So Boris doesn't know anything. Whenever his lips are moving, he's lying because he wants teams to read what he's saying and somehow be publicly pressured into a Chris Sale extension. Yes, sometimes it works, but most times it doesn't. I'm sorry, Scott. We don't believe you. And you know what else makes me happy on a random Friday other than early spring? And my thanks for being the best. Ah, oh, come on, darn it. Friday, 6, 12, 69. Do you know what makes me happy on a random Friday, Groundhog Day, no shadows, award-winning day, is not only do I get to mention that Boris is so full of himself and Oreo feces, but I get to point out that when he tells you that his player is healthy and good and fine, neither trust nor underverify. A little piece of news got glossed over a couple of days ago with another one of Boris's clients, James Paxton. The news of James Paxton, the pitcher, is that he got signed to a fantastic deal with the Dodgers. And I was looking at that deal saying James Paxton got more guaranteed than Lance Lynn. Eh, maybe better than Lance Lynn if he's on the field. $13 million that he could earn, $11 million guaranteed. Hmm. Well, all free agent contracts, including the one-year deals from Boris's clients, while he doesn't let you touch his player for a physical prior to signing him, every deal is pending physical. So the Dodgers bring Paxton in, give him a physical. The team doctor calls the trainer. The trainer calls Andrew Freeman and says, hey, just so you know, 
The reason why Paxton hasn't pitched so much recently is he's hurt and he's still hurt. Ooh, all right. Hey, Scott, I don't think we're going to take your player. Oh, come on. Don't you want him pitching for the Dodgers? Give you a little depth in that rotation while waiting to see if Clayton's going to retire, go to Texas or L.A.? Spoiler alert, neither. None of the above until months into the season because he can't stay healthy to October, so why start in February? Scott, we're going to have to redo this contract. No way. Don't want to do it. All right, we're just not going to sign him. Wouldn't it be great in a parallel universe where we stood up to Scott Boris, we would call him up and say, we're not taking your player. Forget it for zero. We will bring him in on a minor league invite. We'll guarantee him $2 million if he makes the team and he's healthy. And then on top of that, we'll give him like 200 grand to start. Make him earn his money. What world would that be in? God, I love that parallel universe. Instead, the Dodgers called up Scott Boris and said, hey, I know we're the Dodgers, but instead of guaranteeing him 11, we're going to lower the guarantee to seven. Yes, that was Scott's answer. When Boris answers quickly to a renegotiation of a player, I would only assume that the injury that you discovered in the physical is roughly 10 to 12% shy of what the actual injury is. I got to wait to see that we didn't talk about before the show. Coca, so get out your pen, get out the document on davidsampsonpodcast.com. I think we're going to put out some merch in a couple weeks because I want to really ride this award-winning stuff. Award-winning, nothing personal. Maybe a little nice quality t-shirt just so you can wear it or use it as a rag or whatever you use it for. We have a document on that website, which goes through all our wait to sees, all our picks of the day, all the movies that we review. We got a new one for you. Wait to see. James Paxton, over under of starts this season. Wait for it. 20. Do you know what 20 starts is in a season? It's barely over three months. A full season is, let's say, 35 starts, 33 starts. So if I'm saying he's going to miss 13 starts, 13 times 5, 65, that's over two months. I'm going to take the under 20 starts for James Paxton with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So book it. Jerry Jones was interviewing coaches. I wonder whether he interviewed Mike Vrabel. And Vrabel said, hey, I only want to be the GM. And Jerry said, I have a GM. And Vrabel said, well, I think you should replace your GM. And Jerry said, well, I'm not replacing myself. He said, but you'd still be the owner. And Vrabel said, you know, you'd still be the owner, Jerry. Yeah, I want to be the GM too. Sorry, you can only be the coach. And you'll give you'll play the players I tell you to play. Coach the way I tell you to coach. No, Vrabel. Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. No Joey Espada for Dan Quinn. Joe Espada was promised the Orioles. The, Joe Espada was promised the Astros managerial job when Dusty Baker retired. That's why Joe Espada didn't take any other jobs. He wanted the Astros job. Dan Quinn got no such promises from Jerry Jones. Dan Quinn was interviewing for 
coaching vacancies and he found one. Can you imagine Josh Harris interviewing Dan Quinn? I really liked Ron Rivera. I'd like to know, what are your similarities to Ron Rivera? Well, funny you should ask. Um, good at being a defensive coordinator. Yeah, but are you good at deflecting all the bad attention that can go to owners? Well, Josh, I'm hoping you're not going to be like Dan Snyder. I know I'm not like Dan Snyder, but just I'm saying, what's the con willingness to be a deflector, be a meat shield? Dan Quinn said, I just want to be a head coach. Josh Harris said, all right, my first hire. I know I brought in the very, very well-known Adam Peters. And now I'm bringing you in, Danny Quinn. Do you think Washington Commanders fans are looking insane with all of the names that were available on the coaching market? The coaching carousel has now been shut down. No more non-working horses. In for repair. A lot of people left on the outside looking in. Belichick, Vrabel. My main man, Eric Bieniemy. Nope. Ben Johnson talked about yesterday. Nope. Jim Harbaugh. Yep. Jim Harbaugh yesterday, Coca said, I want to win multiple Super Bowls with the Los Angeles Chargers. Really? Few. I was worried you'd only want to win one. Or I was even more worried you just were happy to be here for the money. So Adam Peters, when he was introduced as GM, said he wants to make sure he gets a coach with leadership, great communication, honest, direct, upfront. So nice. It's really good qualities to have in an NFL coach because Bill Belichick was good at all of those things. Very, very honest, very direct, very upfront. Great at communicating, Belichick was. Here's what I want in my head coach if I'm Josh Harris. Victories. That's it. Leadership, great communication. I want to make sure all the players who aren't playing understand why they're not and they're super happy and not be negative. I want to make sure that if anyone comes across some sort of cheerleader calendar, they'll turn it in. Get a merit for good behavior. We haven't found out exactly what Quinn's contract's going to be, but I would hope that Dan Quinn will get five years, six years, start the process of getting paid not to coach. Most rookie coaches, most coaches in general are hired to eventually everyone to be fired. Hopefully, you just have a lot of years left. Tack on a few severance years. Wonder whether Jerry Jones is upset to lose Dan Quinn. No, not at all. He's too busy waiting to replace McCarthy. So when that press conference happens announcing Quinn, we have to look out for a couple of talking points from Josh Harris. Because the underlying theme of the press conference is going to be, this is not business as usual. These are things that we are doing that put our team in the best possible position to succeed on a continuing basis. We want to give the fans the team they deserve, the victories they deserve. And last year's record of whatever they were, 5-12, and 12, is not acceptable to either me and shouldn't be acceptable to you. But this man right here to my right 
when he came into my office and was such a great communicator and leader. He was honest and direct and upfront. I said to myself, ah, this is my guy to be coach. I'm only laughing because that really is going to be a press conference. I promise you. All right. I think that the best sports business podcast and best business, best sports business podcast, best baseball podcast, I think that we should take a break. We come back, we're going to review a movie that I watched and boy, I can't wait to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about what's going on uh, in Philadelphia. Not that they beat Utah, which was one half of our nothing personal pick of the day parlay, but that they are $75,000 more poor. Poorer, poorer, more poor, poorest, pooritis, pooramus, pooratis. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Yes. Coco just brought us to break. Just get to break, David. I can hear you, Matt. Taking my awards out for a little walk and seeing what I can do with them. All right, let's review Priscilla. Priscilla was a movie that had Oscar aspirations. Didn't happen. Priscilla is a movie directed by one of my favorite directors, Sofia Coppola, Lost in Translation. Starring Jacob Elordi, who's clearly having a minute. Saltburn, Murder on the Dance Floor. Kaylee Spaney, sorry if I'm not pronouncing your name right. There was a thought she could have been nominated for Best Actress. She played Priscilla Presley. If you don't know the story of Priscilla Presley, let me sum it up for you. Elvis Presley is a sexual predator who went after a little girl and then married her. I had never focused on that. My entire life, from Naked Gun to Lisa Presley to Nicolas Cage to Riley Keough to Daisy Jones, I had never once thought, knew, contemplated that Elvis had a proclivity for underage girls and that Priscilla was just one in a long line but ended up sticking, so to speak. And the movie is creepy. Now, Jacob Elordi is Elvis Presley, fine. We knew Elvis was in the army, great. I didn't know Priscilla was the daughter, was an army brat and met him while he was serving. And then all of a sudden she's moving into Graceland and the parents are like, oh, I don't think you should. Oh, it's Elvis Presley. Ah. Can he come over and promise that he'll keep you an honest woman? It was all cringeworthy. When you're watching movies, because you want to get ready for the Oscars on March 10th and get ready for whatever content we're going to do around it, whatever great shows we're going to do around it, don't waste your time with Priscilla. I wasted it for you. Watch Saltburn. But Priscilla, no. Now, I'll separate art from the artist, and I'll listen to Burning Love and Hound Dog and various other songs and 
I'll think Elvis was cool right until the time he croaked on the toilet from a drug overdose. I'll say I'm sorry about all the Kennedy-like deaths in his family and the sadness of it. But I'm not sure that I can forgive that level of predatory behavior. We have a Joel Embiid update. Joel Embiid has some sort of lateral meniscus tear, strain, sprain, soreness. He is O-U-T, and the NBA has a small problem. The small problem is that the NBA had to find the Philadelphia 76ers, and they did. So Adam Silver had to find a way to find the Sixers and had to make sure that it was injury report related, like what the NFL does if you lie about your injury report. Because when he didn't play that game, maybe it was the Nuggets game, he was not on the injury report prior to the game. And if you recall, that's the game where the coaching staff looked at Embiid and said, oh, I don't like the way you look warming up. We're not going to play you. When you do an injury report in baseball or basketball, if a guy has a cuticle hanging in the wrong position, we're putting it on the injury report. If you walk into the training room to get Ben Gay, we're making a note. Advil, note, arm exam, note, soreness of your gluteus, it's a note. The notes turn into a report that is sent at the end of every game from the trainer to the GM to the president, where we go through, check it, know what we're doing when we walk into the clubhouse after a game. The Sixers did not put Embiid on the injury report for that particular game, and there's no particular reason. And Adam Silver has the right to fine a team for doing that, and he fined the Sixers 75 grand. On the same day that he fined the Pelicans 25 grand for the same thing, not properly reporting an injury, not properly putting a player on the injury report. So Joel Embiid comes back and plays against the Warriors, gets hurt when Jonathan Kuminga falls on his knee, and now he's out. So the debate that you've been hearing, did he come back because of ego? Did he come back because people were writing about the fact that he wasn't playing or that he wasn't going to get to 65 games? There's people like Amin Hassan on Metalark who's saying that the 65 rules should be gone. I told you it's got to be tweaked. It's not going to be gone. The tweak that I said has to happen is what I mean that when a player really is injured and misses a bulk of games, it does not count toward games missed toward all NBA or MVP. But all of this goes back to gambling. Now you're going to say that how is it that I turn everything to gambling? It's not just because DraftKings is a huge part of Metal Arc or DraftKings may or may not be a huge part of nothing personal, pick of the day. It's that my issue has always been that if you think that leagues are taking money from the gambling companies and are willing to sacrifice their integrity to do so, you're wrong. However, there is a slippery slope that all leagues are on as they try to deal with players, as they try to deal with fans, as they try to deal with the reality.
that every player knows the line of the game they're playing in. Every player is subject to nefarious interaction from people when money's involved because money. I don't want to say money's the root of all evil because that would be incorrect. There's plenty of great people who have money. But have you ever heard about a family who goes to court fighting about which Chinese restaurant they're going to order taken from on Christmas Eve? Have you ever heard of two people suing each other and saying, I'm suing you because I want you to tell me that you love me and you won't say it and I'm going to court. Lawyers out there will say, David, specific performance, that's not about money. That's making people do what they say they're going to do. I'm suing you for specific performance. Well, news alert, when you want specific performance, you want it because that specific performance is going to help you make money. The gambling by players, the gambling by fans with information that can be withheld, misconstrued, misled. That's the issue that keeps owners and commissioners up at night. Because once you lose that, my favorite expression, you're Vince McMahon overseeing WWE. Oh, I don't think I can use that anymore because he's no longer doing that. I got a baseball story for you. Do you remember the name by chance, Brad Bohannon? Brad Bohannon was the Alabama baseball coach, no longer. Brad Bohannon, for whatever reason, was involved with the Cincinnati Reds. That may sound strange, but there was a guy who got a call from Brad Bohannon. And Brad Bohannon on the phone said, listen, you're going to find this hard to believe, but the starting pitcher we announced for our game against LSU, he's not actually starting. Don't tell anyone, but if you want to take advantage of that, be my guest. Thank you. I'm going to go to the sports book where the Cincinnati Reds play at Great American Ballpark, and I'm going to bet 100 thousand dollars. The people behind the counter said 100k on LSU. Hold on, let me check my papers. Be on the lookout for very large bets on very random games between teams in sports that don't often get a lot of action. Hold on, let me go to page two. If someone comes in betting $100,000 on a college baseball game, please refer to page one, paragraph three, rule four. Page one, paragraph three, rule four. Don't take the bet. Sorry, sir. Can't take that $100,000 bet. We'll take 15 grand of action. 15 grand, poo. That's nothing. Do you understand how good this bet is? This guy walked into Great American Ballpark Sportsbook and said, I got the best bet in the world. So he only was able to put $15,000 on it. His name is Eugene Neff Jr. So the NCAA decided yesterday it's not enough that Brad Bohannon lost his job with Alabama. We're going to give him a penalty, a show cause penalty. We'll show him. We're going to fine him like five grand and we're not going to let him work again unless his new employer can tell us why he deserves to get a job. 
That's pretty harsh. Can you imagine? I have, I've had to do that with the commissioner one time with Ozzy Gian, believe it or not. Sorry, Ozzy, but I got to tell you this story. When we were getting you in 2012 from the White Sox, Bud Selig called me and said, you sure you want Gian? Because obviously Bud and Jerry were close. And I said, yeah, of course. Were you sure you got to give him four years? No, but that's what was promised him. So we got to do it. All right, caveat emptor. Ozzy, you know you snookered us in that deal. But we tried to show that having you as a Hispanic manager in Miami, heading into a new stadium with all these great free agents, it was a perfect storm of amazingness and it ended up being a perfect storm of diarrhea. But we still had a show. Why? Well, when you've got the show cause penalty in the NCAA, you have to do the same sort of thing. So I think someone hiring Brad Bohanning going forward would not be able to show that he, above all, would be the best person to have a job. Brad Bohannon's done in the NCAA. But their comment, when they gave him the penalty, this is the NCAA. This suspicious activity included the better's insistent demeanor to get the bet placed in statements to the sportsbook staff that the bet was for sure going to win. And if only you guys knew what I knew, close quote, what kind of moron goes into a sports book and says to the person giving you the ticket behind the counter, they couldn't give a flying rat's pituitary gland about what you have to say, but they're just there nine to five trying to do their job and get paid their hourly wage and maybe some health insurance bennies. What is it that would get you to say, oh, I got a winner here? It's the same people that do insider trading with stocks. It's so ridiculous. What, did you think that the guy behind the counter was going to bet LSU with you? I wonder whether there are rules at Great American Ballpark Sportsbook that people behind the desk can't bet on the bets that people walk into the book betting. What kind of idiot says to the person, if you only knew what I know? Hmm, I wonder what that means. The suspicious activity also included the better showing sportsbook staff messages from Bohannon and explaining that the messages were Bohannon informing the better that Alabama was scratching the starting pitcher. Oy vey. But then the NCAA had to say, integrity of games is of the utmost importance to NCAA members and the panel is deeply troubled by Bohannon's unethical behavior. Brad Bohannon has a serious problem. He will never coach again in college, nor should he. Just on account of stupidity, forget ability to coach or manage. Do you think that it's possible that Brad Bohannon was calling up this guy and saying, hey, bet as much as you can, and Brad Bohannon was not getting compensated for this information? Are you naive enough to think that it was his buddy from high school? It was his brother-in-law, I have no idea who it was. I love you, man. I just want to give you this information that no one else has so you can make money. I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart. I am such a good guy. Of course, Bohannon was financially benefiting from the success of these wagers. Oh, but don't worry. It's sort of like when people get caught cheating. First time, never done it. Okay. I totally believe you. 
I believe that Brad Bohannon had never called ever on any information to that guy or anyone else. He chose that game against LSU with that starting pitcher. That was his choice. All right, I'm in. It's so good. Do you know what's not so good? That I had the Knicks minus four of the Pacers, but the end line was one and a half. We ended up pushing in our nothing personal pick of the day. Do you know what's not good is that the Lakers were getting 16 and a half points and I needed the Celtics to win to get a plus 206 money line parlay because I had the Sixers beating the Jazz and they did. And the Sixers without LeBron, without Anthony Davis, crushed the Celtics. That's like a fireable offense to be a 16-point favorite and lose the game by double digits. Did they lose by double digits or by nine? Whatever, it was nine, 10, 11, it was something. It's absolutely outrageous. We are 16 and 19 going into the weekend. I am betting every unit I'm down on the NFC and the flag football game on the Pro Bowl. Just kidding. Tonight, we've got the Oklahoma City Thunder giving 16 and a half points to the Charlotte Hornets, who have been playing worse than the Pistons. We're taking the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're giving the 16 and a half on the small chance that maybe we can get a win as we wait for football season and nothing personal pick of the day baseball season as we wait for the Super Bowl and baseball season. The NBA is so hard. It's hard. OG doesn't play. The line goes from four to one and a half. And I'm thinking, oh my God, the Pacers are up the whole game and the Knicks still come back and win by four with their two newly minted all-stars. Tom Thibodeau could end up coaching the Eastern All-Stars. Have you ever heard of the Riley rule? The Riley rule, which says you can't coach an All-Star game two years in a row, as though they want to punish consistent greatness. Do you think the Riley rule started because Riley wanted the All-Star break off and was tired of having the best record during the break, at the break every single year, and just didn't want to do it anymore? I love the way that Major League Baseball does it. When you are in the World Series, the minute you win the pennant, you guarantee that you coach next year's All-Star game. I love that. I think that's what the NBA should do. I really do. All right, those are our picks of the day. I got to close with this quickie, just a quickie. It's, it, it'll be three minutes and then we'll head into the weekend together. Hope everyone has a good weekend. We haven't had a weekend without a football game in, what, 18 weeks plus preseason? It's a lot of weeks. But we have the Pro Bowl skills and the Pro Bowl from Orlando. The players say, no, we're so happy to go to Orlando because our kids get to go to Disney World. Remember when the Pro Bowl was in Hawaii and it was after the Super Bowl and everyone was there with their lays and great weather? Now they do it in between because there's an extra week in between. Now they switch locations. Now it's not even a football game because people were upset. The reason why the NBA is actually changing its all-star format for Indianapolis, no more of that aspirational scores or goal scores, what you have to get to. Everyone's trying to keep you tuned in NFL, you'll like a flag football game. The skills competition, you'll like it all. Because networks are looking for numbers and leagues are looking for networks to pay them numbers. Well, did you see that story yesterday? Everyone's trying to make content. 
Everybody is. It's totally normal. We are. You are. All these, the farmer's daughter, I'm in. The farmer's wife, I'm in. Mass singer, yes. Reality shows are everywhere. How about the possibility? What's the NHL doing? Oh, the NHL All-Star game is actually tomorrow. That is horrible that I didn't know that, Coca. I'm sorry. I actually saw that Roy Bellamy was doing something with the All-Star game, and I actually also saw that there were their uniforms or something, but I actually don't even know where it is. That is terrible. There's only a limited amount of bandwidth that everybody has. That is, I'm sorry to all the NHL fans out there. So did you read yesterday this new thing, this billionaire guy? Of course, you have to say he's a billionaire because he's ready to throw money at this. He wants to do enhanced performance, enhanced Olympics. This guy, Peter Thiel, one of the early investors of Facebook, one of the co-founders of PayPal, plenty of money. He said, I got the best content in the world. We're going to put everybody on steroids and we're going to let them compete and see what happens. Oh, Christ, that guy's heart exploded. Oh, my God, look at that back knee. Oh, my God, somebody's beating somebody up over there. Look at that rage. Anybody want to broadcast this? There is no truth to the rumor that the CW is interested. People got all over me for having this opinion of how disgraceful it is. I was once offered to invest in a movie where we, a guy was going to do steroids for like 30 straight days or something. And it was going to be like Morgan Spurlock supersize me. And we would see what would happen to this guy over 30 days. And I was like, ah, are there any like liability waivers here in case he beats the crap out of somebody or in case he actually croaks? Are we protected in any way possible? Oh, just sign. He'll sign some forms. He'll be fine. We will not hold anybody responsible if I take steroids. I compete in weightlifting, and then the barbell drops on my foot, and I keel over with a broken foot, and they got to amputate it. I wonder how you go into the networks and pitch this. We've got the best idea. I guess there's shows about life in prison. I saw a reality show once or a documentary where a guy put himself in prison to give me scatter reports on prisons all over the world. Are we that starved for content? Hell yes, we are. Billionaires are in the habit of making more billions on top of their billions. There is no way to make money without a broadcast deal. And if there is a broadcaster out there who wants to show, unless you're Saudi Arabia and you don't care if Liv is on any network or if anybody's watching anywhere, but any sort of deal like this where you are attempting to start something that is so beyond the pale. It's so gross, disgusting, and wrong, reprehensibly wrong. You better have a deal in place, or you just better be willing to write a check. And normally billionaires try to get return on investment. I think Peter looked at this deal. Someone presented it to him, unless maybe he's crazy enough that he thought of it himself. And he looked around and he said, you know what? I'm in. It's just business. Thanks, everyone, for a great week. Have a great weekend. And thank you again for all of your votes on sportspodcastgroup.com. Having won Best Baseball and Best Sports Business. Coca, thank you. Thank you. We'll be back Monday, 8 a.m. This is Nothing Personal. A 
A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.